Chapter Forty Four of Souls for Sale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Souls for Sale by Rupert Hughes. Chapter Forty Four. Two days later, she began work with Tom Holby's company in a new studio, a great establishment where one could rent space, scenery all or any portion of a production from manuscripts to distribution a number of the farthest famed stars occasionally made pictures there douglas fairbanks and mary pickford betty compson and many another mem had been lent out to holby if she were a slave she was at least received as a captured circassian princess might be received by a sultan who had bought her at a high price when she appeared on the lot holby greeted her in person he led her into his office and described the part she was to play read her the big scenes he bemoaned the artificiality and triteness of the plot it was warmed over like funeral baked meats he had longed to do a story adapted from w j locke's novel septimus holby had wanted to play the simple septimus mem who had read no novels at all till recently was horribly illiterate in famous names but she was wondrously stirred by this story as Holby told it. Septimus loved a girl who merely liked him. She loved another man, loved him too well. As the curious saying is, he betrayed her, as another curious saying is, and when he had gone beyond her reach, she found that she was to become a mother, still using the stock phrases. Holby noted that Mem was all a shiver over the situation. He never dreamed that it had been her own, her very own. He thought that he had frightened her prudery, and he tried to soften his phrases still more. But she was uncontrollably agitated when he went on with the plot and told how Septimus, for all his innocence, discovered the cause of the girl's dismay, and knowing all, offered to marry her so that her child might have a name, so that the girl he idolized might not be driven to desperation are there men like that mem gasped holby looked at her and interpreted her question as a cynicism oh yes he answered earnestly there must be lots of men like that if i loved a girl and found her in such a plight i think i would i hope i would offer to help her through it it wouldn't be much of a love that would die at such a situation would it mem fell to thinking a ferocious temptation assailed her to confess to tom holby that she had been such a girl herself but had never dreamed that such a man existed perhaps when tom holby had courted her a little there in palm canyon if she had not rebuffed and despised him but had told him the truth he might have offered her his famous name they might have been married and she might now be sitting with him in their own home with a living child at her quick breast the vision shook her like a blast of hot desert wind her baby had never seen the world. She had never seen its face. Where had its soul waited, and whither had it returned? Had it joined its father in that strange overgrave realm? For a few mad moments, Mem longed to be a wife and mother so insanely that she could hardly check the cry of protest at the denial. She forgot her brave independences of the early morning, her pride in her artistic self-sufficiency, she wanted to be an old-fashioned woman to be fed by her husband and to feed his children 
but while the tempest was raging inside her soul she was so remote from her body that her face had not disclosed her thoughts at all what tom holby saw was a dreary smile which he misread as mild disdain for such romantic nonsense when she spoke at last she merely asked and why didn't you play septimus on the screen as you say you would have done in real life the censors he snarled they've got everybody frightened to death in pennsylvania and other states you can't even refer to approaching maternity the producers don't want to make pictures with a big market cut off in advance so we've got to be more prudish than a sunday school library the censors seem to feel that if they keep the motion picture audiences from even learning that babies are born of their mothers a great blow will be struck for morality the books and magazines and newspapers can talk of twilight sleep and birth control and everything but the poor movies can't even show a young wife sewing on baby clothes but let's not talk of censorship i froth at the mouth every time i think of the shame and the tyranny and the acidity of it the story of septimus would have been beautiful it is as clean as the parable in the bible about the woman taken in adultery and that's given to little girls to read and it's preached in all the pulpits but on the screen it would immediately send all the audience out to get into trouble anyway i can't do the story and we've had to cook up this mess of denatured realism we're going to do but lord how i should have loved to play septimus and have you play the pitiful little girl i would have married in the story she married septimus and came to love him so dearly that when she met the other man she hated him he fell into a silent while and mem dreamed tremendous dreams vain and already frustrated but beautiful with all the elegy of the might have been people make love unconsciously at times and in the truest courtships never a word is spoken two souls travel mystic gardens together and come to deep understandings without the exchange of a syllabled thought mem was so wooed by holby the mere brooding upon him as a lover a husband a protector who would once have solved an ugly problem into beauty presented him to mem in a light of compelling warmth she tried to shake off the spell but from now on there was an aureole of chivalrous self-sacrifice about tom holby that changed him altogether from the flippant too polite and far too popular idol of foolish girls that she had rated him all through the taking of that picture mem watched him as from a lattice that hid her from him but disclosed him to her in the kindliest son the picture had to be made in record time because the producers had a limited capital and an unlimited experience of the disastrous expense of leisureliness the director kendrick was a slave driver a worshipper of schedules he demanded that the people be on the set made up costume coiffed and wide awake so that the cameras might begin to grind at nine sharp but he was not so punctual about letting the weary troopers knock off at five he kept them often till nearly seven when mem's day of toil was over she was so footsore so soul-sore and had seen so much of tom holby and his manufactured love that she had no inclination to see him of evenings and he made no effort to see her she crept into her bed at nine when she was not kept at the studio for night work she was called at six and began the day with a long and drew building up of a false complexion layer on layer 
line by line. She rarely saw Tom Holby's real face. He also was painted like an Indian brave. But for all the fatigue and the artifice, there was a feeling of delight and of friendliness on the stages. Cooperation was necessary, and it was the custom. The technical problems were innumerable, and their discussions as scientific as laboratory debate. The reward of rewards was the rapture of creation. Nearly all the members of the company would rather act than eat, rather play feigned sorrows than indulge in real joys. They sought for difficult tasks. They were grateful for demands upon their utmost resources. They sulked only when their toil was diminished or they were left out of a scene or not taxed to their limit. Mem's affair with Tom Holby was settling down into the pleasant but drab relationship of two business partners. They were as friendly already as an old married couple without ever having known the initiatory rites. But in this dull fact, there lurked a resentful, impatient peril. End of chapter 44 Recording by Deanna Beauvais